Hey everybody, this is Troy, one of the pastors at First Church of the Nazarene. Thank you for listening to the podcast. It is a glimpse into the life of our church. We are ordinary people being transformed into passionate followers of Jesus. And we are committed to join God in the remaking of all things. I pray that this sermon is a blessing and helps you join God today. If we can serve you in any way, we would love to. Please get a hold of us at lafayettenaz.org. Have a great day. Hey, good morning. Welcome to worship. My name is Troy. We're privileged to have you this morning. We're really thankful that you're here. And uh, we're going to begin a new sermon series called How Things Grow. Now, um, I'm no longer like a rookie to this area. I've been around the block a few times here lived here now for a decade, so I feel like that makes me kind of a quasi-local. I understand that in the fabric of Lafayette and West Lafayette, you're not really a local until, like, you uh, were born and raised here. So it's the generation that follows us that can make that claim. But listen, as best as I can, as much as I can, I, I know the best places for a pork tenderloin sandwich, uh, like, I know how to avoid State Road 26. I know, when, like, to look on 65 North before getting on to determine whether or not you actually should get on. I know that when you go to Indianapolis, the locals take 52, and they don't get on 65. I've, I've learned some things. I know that the green wagon corn is like God's nectar. I know that. Amen. Yeah, can I get an amen? So... One of the things that I've learned to love about this area is this really beautiful combination that that happens here. And I really honestly think it's unique. It's unique to this place and unique to this people. But one of the really beautiful things that happens in this county is this combination of innovation, world-class, world-class innovation, plus industry, plus agriculture. Now, certain municipalities and locales can claim one of those or maybe even two of those, but here in this area, we claim all three, innovation and industry and agriculture. And so for the next several weeks, what we're going to do, because because we know agriculture around here, we, we kind of get it. So what we're going to do is we're going to walk through some passages of Scripture in the Bible that talk about how things actually grow. And what we, what we learn when we read through Scripture is that the Bible was written and spoken to a people in a primary agriculture-based society, and they too understood the nuances of land and the rhythms of the, of the seasons and how things grew and developed, and so they used metaphors. They used descriptions that helped us to understand spiritual growth in light of physical growth. So we're going to do that over the next several weeks. We start today, and we start by looking at Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5, and we're going to read two short verses that are pretty profound. Isaiah chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. We're going to read verse 1 and verse 2. This is the word of the Lord. Let me sing for my loved one a love song. For his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it, cleared away its stones, 
planted it with excellent vines, built a tower inside of it, and dug out a wine vat in it. And he expected it to grow good grapes. But it grew rotten grapes instead. This is God's word for us this morning. Now what we learn when we read a passage of scripture like this, and what we learn when we work with the ground or or plant or try to grow anything, is this. When it comes to growing anything, there's a lot that goes into it. But maybe the most important thing is the soil. Maybe the most important part of the growing process, the most important element that exists in the growth of anything, is the soil. Now, the scripture today was talking about this person who had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. So this was good soil. And this person who owned this vineyard made the soil even better. He cleared out all of the rocks, planted the plants in this really fertile soil. And because it was good soil and because he worked the ground, he had an expectation. And the expectation was that it would produce good wine, but it didn't. It produced bad wine instead. Now, his expectation of good wine was based upon the reality of good soil. The soil is the most important part of any process of growth. Now, in a vineyard, there's a word that they use to refer to this to this whole thing, to this, this whole soil. And the word is terroir, terroir. It's a French word. So maybe we can sound all fancy together this morning. I'm going to invite you to say that word terroir with me. Can you say it with me? Terroir, terroir. Say, look over at your neighbor and put your pinky up and say terroir, terroir. This is what terroir is. I mean, if you want to get real fancy, you could terroir, terroir. But listen, this is Lafayette, and even though we have a French origin, we sit in our garages and we eat pork tenderloins. So terroir, this is what it is. It's the complete environment. It's the soil. It's the sunlight. It's the moisture. It's the climate. It's the complete environment in which a plant or a vine is produced. So here's what's really interesting. It's the terroir of a grape that determines how that grape tastes. So if you were to take the same variety of grape plant and you were to plant that in one location and then take the exact same variety and plant it in a different location with a different kind of soil, even though the plants are exactly the same in their genetic makeup, the fruit that the plants produce will taste different. Why? Because sunlight hits it differently. 
and moisture accumulates differently, and the wind blows and hits the plant in a different sort of a way, all of that is terroir. And it's the terroir that determines the quality of the fruit that is produced. Now, I learned this this week when I was researching. And I want to share this knowledge with you. Do you know what is the most expensive acre of land in the whole world? Do you know what is the most expensive acre of land in the whole world? Would it be in like downtown Tokyo or in Hong Kong or in London or in New York City? Those are all good guesses, but no, you're wrong. You're wrong. The most expensive acre in the whole world is in Burgundy, France. It's this one acre of land that is thought to produce the best grapes in the world in order to produce the best wine in the whole world. And why is that the most expensive acre of land in the whole world? Because it's the terroir. It's the soil. Now, here's the first thing we learn. This is the first principle. It is the quality of the soil that determines the quality of the fruit that's produced. It's the quality of the soil that determines the quality of the fruit that's produced. Now, if we were to extend or stretch this metaphor that we run into in Isaiah chapter 5, about this person who planted this vineyard on this fertile soil, if we were kind of to extend that to our lives and we were to understand ourselves as God's vines growing attached to Jesus, growing in a certain way to produce a certain kind of fruit, then what we have to understand is all of us are planted in a particular kind of soil. We all have been planted in a certain kind of terroir. We all kind of carry with us this family history, this family of origin stuff. And the family of origin, the family history that we grew up with, some of us carry some pain around in our terroir and the soil that forms and shapes our lives. Some of us have some hurt that's been inflicted upon us because of that. Some of us have this big, beautiful, wonderful story, this fertile soil that we've been raised in because we were planted in a cer- certain kind of family of origin. And then there's also the people that surround us in our lives, our friends or our family, people who speak into us and shape us and form us And it affects the kind of fruit or crop that we produce in good ways and in sometimes bad ways. And then all of us share this in common that makes its way into the soil that shapes our lives. And that's the culture of the world that we live in today. The expectations and the realities and the lies that are fed to us and the beautiful things that we all see and the horrible things that we all experience, that culture, that narrative, the voices we listen to, it shapes the soil. And as a result, it shapes the fruit that it produces. Now, this is what's interesting. The very same way that it works for plants is exactly the way that it works for us. 
So if you've ever planted anything in your life, you know this is the process that happens. You plant into soil. And the plant is fed by and is supported by what is in that soil. And so if the soil is bad, then as a result, the plant's health will be poor. And the fruit that the plant produces will be effective negatively. It's nearly impossible to produce a great crop in poor soil. It's pretty tough. But if the soil is good, the plant thrives, and the crop is abundant, it's really hard to produce a poor crop in great soil. In fact, here's what you can do. If you have soil that's great and of good quality, and you have a plant that's kind of sickly, you can transfer a sick plant into good soil, and what ends up happening? The plant grows, gets healthy, bears fruit the next season. Why? Because the soil matters. The terroir matters. This is the principle of the soil that I want to teach you this morning. The story we take in and absorb into our lives is the story we live out. Think of a plant. A plant is planted and develops its roots into a particular kind of soil, and it absorbs what it needs or is not able to absorb what it needs from that soil. And as a result of what it absorbs, it lives that out. The story we take in is the story we live out. Now, I want to introduce you to someone. This guy's name is Derek Black. This is Derek Black. And Derek grew up in bad soil. Really bad soil. His dad is named Don Black. And his dad created the Internet's first and largest white nationalist website. That was the soil in which Derek was planted. And because the principle of the soil is universally true, that what we take in, we live out, the story we take in is the story we live out, Derek began to act out and live out all of the things that he absorbed in the terroir of his life. And so as he grew up and he became a young adult, he had a weekly radio show where he espoused these views of hatred He developed this political platform based upon hatred. Why was he acting that way? Why was he doing those things? Why was his life producing that kind of result? It's the soil. It's the soil. The story we take in is the story we live out. I'll get back to that story in a minute. But Jesus knew this principle really, really well. And this principle is at the heart of one of Jesus' most popular parables. So you know this parable. But if you don't know it, I'll read it for you. It's in Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 8. And it goes like this. 
when a great crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from one city to another, he spoke to them in a parable. Here's how it goes. A farmer went out to scatter his seed, and as he was scattering it, some fell on the path where it was crushed, and the birds in the sky came and ate it. Other seed fell on the rock, and as it grew, it dried up because it had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorny plants, and the thorns grew with the plants and ultimately choked them out. And still other seed landed on good soil. And when it grew, it produced 100 times more grain than was scattered. And as he said this, he called out, Everyone who has ears should pay attention. Now that's the parable. And he told that parable. And the disciples came to him just a few verses later, and they said, We don't understand and we don't get the parable. And it's hard for me to understand how they could not understand or get the parable. The parable is really simple, but they didn't get it. So Jesus explains himself, and I want to tell you how rare it is for Jesus to actually explain himself. In fact, most of the times throughout Scripture, when people ask Jesus a question, he replies with a question in return. But this time, he humors them, and he explains himself. He says this, The parable means this. The seed is God's word. And the seed on the path are those who hear, but then the devil comes and steals the word from their hearts so they won't believe and be saved. And the seed on the rock are those who receive the word joyfully when they hear it, but they don't have any root. So they believe for a while, but they fall away when they are tempted. And as for the seed that fell among the thorny plants, these are the ones who, as they go about their lives, are choked by the concerns, riches, and pleasures of life. So the fruit never matures. But the seed that fell on good soil are those who hear the word. They commit themselves to it with a good and upright heart. And though through their resolve, They bear fruit. Now listen, this little parable is incredibly profound, and we can read this parable, we can interpret this parable, we can even preach this parable from multiple different perspectives. We can preach it from the the perspective of the farmer who just generously scatters seed everywhere, no matter the kind of soil condition. He just wants to scatter the whole earth. And we can preach it, we can read it, we can interpret it that way. We can focus in on the seed with its world-changing, life-altering potential if it's just received. We can focus in on that. But at the heart of this story of Jesus is soil, terroir. And this story has these simple but profound elements. There's four of them. There's the sower, the seed, soil, and the resulting fruit. And what's really interesting in each one of these scenarios that Jesus walks through, the sower is always the same. He never changes his actions or what he's doing. The sower remains the same. The seed remains the same. It it too never changes. 
but the soil is different. And because the soil is different, it leads to a different kind of fruit. And there's this fusion that's happening in this story that I think we need to pay attention to. Sower plus seed plus soil equals fruit. And in each instance, the sower remains the same, the seed remains the same, but the soil is different. That's the variable. And because the soil is different, it produces a different kind of fruit. Now listen, I'm not a I'm not a farmer no matter how much I actually want to be. So maybe this is old news to all of you seasoned gardeners. But did you know? Did you know this? There's actually different kinds of dirt. There are. I thought like all dirt was the same, you know, dirt is dirt, but there's different kinds of dirt. So how do you distinguish good dirt from bad dirt? How do you know whether soil is well or whether soil is sick? Is it because it has like fewer rocks or fewer weeds or that it has a certain kind of looseness to it? Is it, is it that soil is good because it's free from hazards? I mean, no. Ultimately, we know if soil is good or not by the quality of the fruit that it produces. That's how we know. It's not just being free of hazards that makes soil good. It's what it produces. It's what it makes. It's the production of fruit. So the fusion in this story is sower plus seed plus soil equals fruit. And here's how it goes. The sower plants the seed among the path. And what happens? There's no growth. No fruit. And the sower plants the seed in the rocky soil, and there's some growth, but there's no fruit. And then the sower plants the seed in soil that has weeds, and there's some growth, but there's no fruit. And it's the lack of fruit that tells everyone the soil's bad. It's the lack of fruit that exposes what's going on beneath that plant. Here is something that I want us all as a church to take to heart. It is the fruit that our life produces that reveals the root of our life. How is it? that we know that we're planted in soil or in an environment, in a life circumstance or a situation that is healthy and good and helping us to become the kind of person that Jesus wants to be, it's whether or not our life is producing fruit. Because it's the fruit of a life that reveals the root of our life. The story we take in is the story we live out. I'm going to show you a picture of my backyard to illustrate this. All right. So this is our side yard. This is our side yard. We have neighbors on that side of our house. And we decided, hey, we like these neighbors. We never see the neighbors. In fact, the neighbors never come outside. I'm not sure the neighbors actually exist. But we do see them. It's an 
older gentleman, he mows his grass in dress pants. That's the only time we see the neighbors, is when the, old, the older gentleman mows the lawn in his dress pants. But we decided one day, hey, we like to see old guy mowing the lawn in dress pants, but maybe we don't like to see him that much. So here's what we'll do. We'll buy some of these, these trees. Now, listen, I don't know what I'm talking about. These little things called arborvitae, maybe. Well, let's buy some of those. And let's plant them in the ground. And these suckers grow to be 15 feet tall and 4 feet wide. So if we buy enough of them on clearance in November, then what we can do is over time, we won't be able to see our neighbors anymore. And they won't be able to see us. And life will be great. So listen, this is a picture of our side yard. And what you see here is the trees on the right are literally four feet taller than the trees on the left. Now, what you don't know is those trees were bought and planted at the exact same time. Those are the exact same variety of trees planted in close proximity to each other, purchased at the same time, and planted at the same time. But some are three times the height of the others. Why is that happening? Why? It's not because there's any difference amongst the trees themselves. It's not because some of those trees came from a privileged background and some came from a not privileged background or some had some sort of advantage on the other. They're the exact same tree. The difference is this. It's the quality of the soil. The trees that are taller are planted in soil that drains well. The trees that have stunted growth are planted in soil that gets really soggy every time it rains. This is the principle. It is the condition of the soil that determines in a plant's life whether or not there will be growth and determines in our life whether or not there will be growth. It's the soil. It's the terroir. So what is it that makes good soil? And what is it that makes bad soil? If we go back to our story in Luke chapter 8, the answer is, it's the way that each one of those kinds of soil receives the seed. And the seed is the word of God. And this is the key to the whole parable that doesn't show up all that well in the English translation of the Greek New Testament because something gets lost. But when the sower scatters the seed, each kind of soil receives that seed differently. And the prepositions are different in verses 5, 6, and 7, and 8. Here's how it goes. In verse 5, the sower scatters the seed, and literally it's some of the seed fell beside the path. Imagine that in your mind, scattering, and it just falls beside. In verse 6, the sower scatters the seed, and some falls onto the rocks. Not into, onto In verse 7, the sower scatters the seeds into the weeds, and some of the seed fell among 
And so why is it that those three kinds of soils don't experience growth or lead to the production of fruit? It's because they don't receive the seed. And then we get to the kicker. In verse 8, the sower scatters the seed into the good soil. And what happens? Some of it fell into. Into. It is the reception to the seed that determines whether or not the soil will be good enough to produce fruit. The story we take in is the story we live out. What is happening in the terroir of your life? What's the dirt like? What's the soil that is sustaining you? Are you willingly and openly and expectantly receiving the word of God into your heart? There's no question in this story and there's no question in our lives that God who positions himself always as the generous farmer will continue to scatter seed. That's not going to stop. God continues to come to us and scatter his word amongst us and to us with the desire and the hope that it would land inside of us and change us from the outside out. We don't have to worry about God's motivation or his intention or his steadfast love to us. But how are we doing at receiving what God is so generously giving to us. Is it that this word of God that has the potential to change our life from the inside out is just simply falling beside because we're too closed off? Is it that we experience, as so many of us do, like that rocky sort of soil life where it's sown and it falls onto us. And as a result, there's like these moments in our life, and we can even point to them. There's moments where we experience this quick growth, but it's not sustainable. Why isn't it sustainable? We never really received. We never really allowed the roots of God's love to develop inside of our life. Is it the same thing with the weeds? We experience that time of just profound growth, but it gets choked out because the cares of this world infect the soil of our lives and the word of God is not rooted deeply enough? Or is it that our life is producing this beautiful, bountiful fruit? Why? Because we fully opened our life and our hearts to allow the seed of God to be planted deep within us. The story we take in is the story we live out. Here at this church, we have no greater desire than to be known as people who produce the kind of fruit that God would love to see his people to produce. Justice and righteousness and mercy and steadfast, never-ending love and care and concern for the neighbor and looking out for the vulnerable and lives that are de determined to live as God would have for us to live in this world. And that can only happen and be sustained if we allow God's word to get planted deep within us.